0: what's good everybody this is fraternal football i'm cameron i'm zach all right it's draft eve happy draft eve nfl draft eve to be more specific our soon to be second newly designated national holiday Cross fingers after the nfl's opening weekend of course Uh, We have a lot going on, rumors are flying, news is leaking. Usually this is the time where you get little tidbits that you knew the whole time uh, with a couple surprises perhaps, and maybe some of it's finally real. Uh, We got Guy Fieri shouting out the Raiders to join their draft room, or their war room, even though they don't have a pick, or perhaps because they don't, you know, saying, Hey, let me uh, come in there and wheel and deal, get you guys a first rounder or maybe a second. Uh, it's going to be a little while for me waiting. Uh, I don't have a stake in the first round tomorrow uh, for the first time in, in a while. And that that's kind of different. So I'm hopeful that the Raiders make some solid mid round. Choices. I'm guessing offensive line, maybe linebackers are in there. But anyways. NFL draft in Vegas looking really sweet. Uh they posted a couple things today. Uh yesterday I saw Mark Davis in front of the, the Las Vegas sign. Uh today I saw the Raiders posted, I think, the stage. And uh what what a what a I don't. I can't think of a better place to have it uh, than Vegas this year. Uh, not not because I'm a fan of the Raiders, but just in general, seems like it fits uh, the luster, the Hope, uh, and and for some teams the uh, the misery of the NFL draft. Um, everything is sort of contained in that that Vegas mystique as well. So, with that being said. Uh, the Raiders were involved in a bit of a smoke screen, as I will call it, this week, because I, I don't buy into it whatsoever, and I don't know where this came from, and I don't think there's any credibility to the source, but there was a report floated out a couple days ago, uh, I think Monday or Tuesday, uh, that Darren Waller was a trade target for the Green Bay Packers from the Raiders in exchange potentially for Devontae Adams along with the pick that the first rounder that they gave the Packers. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know where to come from. We have Derek Carr almost immediately responding with a LOL no chance. <laughs> and uh, every Raiders fan and some other fans uh, perhaps, in general, just having a, a mini little heart attack <laughs> while digging into that uh, fake news. So yeah, there there was hints uh, that the athletic, I believe, is outlet potentially uh, saying uh, that Green Bay wanted a quote, undisclosed player uh, from Las Vegas in addition to that first rounder for Devonte Adams. Uh, don't know why Waller would be in that discussion. He is, in, he is 29 years old. He's been up there a, a late bloomer. And, uh yeah, you don't see those guys too much. All of a sudden, one of the best tight ends in the league uh, down the year last year. But previous two were excellent. Um, and even last year when he was on the field, except for a bit at the end there, he still provided above average tight end play with over 600 yards. Uh, he has two more years on this deal, no guaranteed money. Uh, perhaps this came, this speculation arose partly from him not yet restructuring his deal or signing an extension. Uh, regardless, there's nothing really to the rumor. Um, Waller caught, yeah, 55 passes, 665 six, yards, two touchdowns, despite battling entries in 2021 uh, after recording two straight 1100 plus yard seasons in 2019 and 2020. Um, we do have Foster Moreau. I think he will be the heir apparent once Waller leaves in a couple of years I'm guessing. If anything it would make more sense for them to trade him next year not this year get one a, more of those years, hopefully you get above average or elite play. Uh, and then if it doesn't work out, you could trade him. He still has a deal left. You got some leverage and some value there for whoever wants to take a flyer. Uh, I, I'd like to keep him as long as we can, but knowing that we have someone in the wings and not a completely empty uh, tight end room is you know, reassuring. <laughs> um uh, also a bit of a wrinkle that i just now realized and learned really uh this, this these sort of things the, the interesting thing about them is that we then get insight into rules and regulations of the league that we that are perhaps not widespread or widely known uh, apparently it, including Waller in that deal if that was even on the table is not legal per the circumstances of the trade. Uh, even if let's say this was the course of events that Waller in the first was the going rate right for Adams. Let's, let's just float that hypothetical out there. Um, league rules do prohibit players being part of compensation for a trade of a player on an unsigned franchise tag per uh, Adam Steele breakdown. Uh, I believe, what is this from? Uh, I, I can't see the source exactly, but that is a league rule that was echoed by several credible sources that I do have vested belief in. Uh, So it was just not even possible. I didn't know that actually. (laughs) So I guess uh, I'm sure Adams or his agent knew that and that's, you know, went into partly why they didn't sign uh, and why that whole deal went the way that it did, including only picks and no players save for Adams. Um, Yeah. I just wanted to dispel that rumor. (laughs) I know that I, I when I saw it, I immediately thought, okay, this is bullshit. <laughs> uh, and then Carr gave me the the necessary reassurance. And when I couldn't figure out where the source came from, really, uh, or where the the rumor was situated, I I believed it even less. So another development this week because I don't have a great transition between these two topics. Uh, Tom Brady, the details of his deal came out. I know we talk a lot about Tom Brady. Okay. He's the greatest player in NFL history. Who else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the greatest player in NFL history. And if you're listening, you're just going to well sit there and listen. So appreciate you for that. Listen to me talk about Tom Brady's contract for about a couple minutes here, Uh, which in my terrible judging might be like five, six, seven, who knows. Uh, There is rumors of him potentially joining the Dolphins or there were, I don't know whether to believe that and whether the whole Mike Flores lawsuit or Brian Flores, I'm sorry, lawsuit next to that or whatever is the case with how that may or may not have went down. If there was a deal, um, I, I, I don't I don't really I can't tell you I can't speak on that. That's a lot of probably details that we don't have. Uh, I know there was a a fairly long article on that, which I skimmed. <laughs> um, I, I'll believe something like that when i when I keep seeing it and I see it from certain people. Uh, that that's just how you have to be this time of year. You have to have your your credible sources laid out you have to have several of them uh, ideally you know three to five at the very minimum Uh, and then once you see it repeated among those several key guys that have done so in the past and have shown to be reputable then you look into it you read between the lines and you see the fine print that's how you should operate this time of year, and with this, that's the approach I'm going to take with the whole dolphin stumpy thing. Just throw that out the way. Uh, he signed for one year and 19 and a half mil. The keen observer might note that that is 25 to 30 mil or so below the going rate. Uh, Derek Carr's deal was a lot more than that even and he's nowhere near brady brady could ask for probably like a 40 50 mil deal at this point and the bucks would have no choice but to fork that over but he wants to win and i know a lot of that the part yeah, the point that he takes less money to win is sort of a flashpoint for conversation on him as a player and for key players throughout the league. They do get massive deals like the Derek cars, like the cousins, like other quarterbacks, number one receivers, top defensive players, even sometimes get your Aaron Donalds out there. Uh, your, I guess, Frank Clark, if you want to note an albatross. Tom Brady's been in the league 24 years since 2000 22 years 23 years he's been in the league for more for three different decades at least yeah (laughs) i think i got that right the point is is that all these deals all the money all that has to be put in context he's been in the league for like a hella long time He's not leaving that much money on the table at this rate. what What is a fifty mil deal when he's made like hundreds? And at this rate, if he's got it's if it's on a rolling one- year basis of how effective he'll be, he's forty four years old. he he cannot do it forever, even though it seems like he will. It matters more that he has a concrete shot or an honest shot at a Super Bowl year in and year out than taking 30 more mil in contract and guaranteed money. He could pull a Kirk Cousins and try to maximize it and have a guaranteed deal every year since who knows when. Good for you, Kirk Cousins. But he can afford to not do that. Kirk Cousins isn't winning Super Bowls. He's not in the same circumstance. He hasn't been in the league for Two plus decades. And at any point, the guaranteed money could stop flowing for him. So it's not gonna Brady's good cousins different circuit. Sort of, you you have to put these things in the proper context. You can't just compare them like they're apples to apples. They're not. With that being said, Brady's contract breakdown is interesting. Uh, base salary 1.12 million, roster bonus, and this is where the NFL's finagling of the cap gets really interesting because it's just money moved around with different names, and it arbitrarily impacts the cap in different ways depending on the label that you put said money, or that you put on said money. So roster bonus. I believe does not impact the cap, the same way that a base salary does directly. Um, incentives four and a half million. I, I'm assuming that's if he you, you know reaches or wins Super Bowl that type of deal. Uh, cap number thirteen point seven seven one mil. How anyone arrives at that is anybody's guess. I don't know where they got that math come where that came from, you have all these different numbers and somehow we arrive at that number for the cap hit. (laughs) No clue. Like, I'm not even going to pretend. I just think it's interesting. Like, just this breakdown to note that, you know, we have all these funny money numbers going around and we end up with this final singular cap hit. And I don't think anybody other than people connected with the league intimately know where the heck that number comes from or how it comes to be. Uh, So yeah, clearly a steal. Um, Brady cannot be tagged uh, in any iteration of the franchise tag. Uh, So he has complete freedom. He has all the leverage, a lesser cap figure. They re-signed all the key guys that they could. Godwin's in the fold. Hopefully he comes back at full strength and that offense is awesome again. Uh, They got all their defensive guys back. They lost. I think that guard to Cincinnati, they could replace that. That's fine. Uh, They have a late first and maybe they take one with a mid-round pick because those have worked out quite well. That's kind of the going rate. You get a, a starting guard in like the second, third, fourth round. Hell, even the fifth. Um, yeah, good deal for Brady good deal for the Bucks Um, if you're him you gotta like the NFC (laughs) these days not the AFC it's a bloodbath but the NFC you're really just dealing with Packers who can't seem to get past championship round Uh, you're dealing with Rams who are a real threat contending champions but history has shown in recent years running back is harder than one would think even if you have a sweet roster and you keep your guys. Uh, You have the Cardinals, who I'm not buying, and who else? Not not really. The Saints are a mess. They've been contenders recent years, and they're no longer. Uh, You got a bunch of rebuilding teams. Uh, Seahawks are no longer a threat, Uh, even for a bounce-back year, if that was in the cards. yeah. The the NFC is, is gonna run through a couple teams and it's probably gonna be the Bucks or the the Rams. Or you know the 49ers could sneak in there again. They're always they're always kind of in the mix. I'll give them credit for that. And they made me um, very validated last year. <laughs> so I I will give them credit for that. They have one of the best coaches in the league. And when you have that, you always have a shot uh and then i'm just gonna throw it out there real quick uh since it is uh draft eve yeah and we got rumors swirling we got news dropping not as much as i would anticipate but perhaps it's circulating in in certain circles first uh before it reaches the front page of Bleacher report uh or twitter uh, for everyone to moan over <laughs> uh I've heard that out of the top teams in the top 10, that the Jaguars have been conspicuously, and I'm going to use that word as a direct quote. Uh, Yeah, just that one word. Uh, Actually, no, two. Conspicuously absent is the, the two words from Evan Neal's, like from contact with Evan Neal. The tackle for Alabama, who Zach and I have mocked to go number one overall, too. Guess who? The Jaguars. <laughs> uh, a lot of rumors have swirled on that, just to reiterate the same catchphrase, you know, just because that's how it goes these days. Uh, it's, it's, it's draft week. I think, and here's my, my little conspiracy, that that is because they are sold. They don't need to see anymore. And all these rumors of Trayvon Walker going number one, and now he's the betting favorite. Like the money is on his side. And I th- I think that's just taken out of proportion. Now it's, it's swung a little heavier since he initially become the favorite. The betting is apparently swung heavily in that way. I don't buy it. I think the Jaguars have thrown that out there. I think they've thrown Aiden Hutchinson, the Thibodeau uh, rumors out there, uh, talking all those guys up, all the edge rushers. I think they've thrown all that out there. Talking all these edge rushers up, and they've taken some in the past. They have Caleb on Chasen, who I don't think has been that great. They have Josh Allen, who has been. I think they got a do right by Trevor Lawrence. And regardless of them signing Cam Robinson to a a deal today, three years, 54 mil, even though he's been a replacement level player for his entire career, They still need another tackle. Perhaps they even move Cam Robinson to the other side. Or they take Evan Neal. They make him the best right tackle in the league potentially at some point. Or at least a, a, a guy there that you have hope for. If if you thought the initial bit was a bit much. At least you you can have an elite prospect give. Trevor Lawrence, the best possible chance to succeed with whatever meager resources you have. Talk up all the guys that you don't want that are in the conversation, all the edge rushers. And see if anyone will trade up for that first pick to take them. Maybe a team really, really likes Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau, and they're like, crap. They might go first, but the Jaguars don't seem entirely sold on picking first. Can we trade up with them? And from the Jaguars' point of view, can you trade back a few spots, acquire some more draft capital to help with your meager resources for to help your quarterback succeed, and still land Evan Neal because you talked everyone else up and everyone else, all the other teams got fooled into – taking the guys you didn't want that it seemed like you might have wanted and then you just got the guy you wanted at a discount just think about it I think it fits I think they're taking Evan Neal number one that's my bet and I could be very wrong because as we know Even the best people this time of year that really dig into months and months of film, go to all the watch all the interviews, watch the combine, watch all the games, even the people that talk to the players don't have any concrete idea whether they will be truly good or not. It is a guessing game through and through because people are always unpredictable by and large and so there's no formula to be truly good at the draft this isn't mad and you can't say you can't look at a guy and say wow he has a catching and elite speed as a trait he's going to be amazing no <laughs> you could run a 436 and be a john ross and i know he ran a little faster but you get my point he sucks even though he's like an Olympic sprinter, elite athleticism. I'm not going to get into that, but you have hella upside and you have a very visible downside with a lot of that. So it's a hit and miss. No matter what round you're in, generally the best guys are in the first. That's why they're in the first is because they're the best guys. They have the best athletic traits. They have oftentimes better production relative to competition. Uh, Bailey Zappi has entered the chat (laughs) Uh, as an outlier there. Um, So yeah, it's it's an economic exercise uh, as one perspective has put it. And guys go where their value is relative to their athletic ability, relative to their production, relative to that production in the context of the competition they face, uh, and then you add in all these other factors, you get the rumor mill, you get betting, you get pu- pu- fan or public sentiment shifting, uh, you got writers and pundits uh, coming out with articles and this and that. You and then you have the interviews, you have the pre-draft process, you have everything. It, it's it's just a whole. It's a full-time gig, keeping up with all this. (laughs) So, point of that being, still think Evan Neal's going number one. Uh, And for my, just to put this on the record here, and so it's in more than one spot, if it in fact comes true and I look like a genius, um, I think the Steelers are going to trade up with the Seahawks at either 40 or 41 overall in the second round on Saturday and take Desmond Ritter I don't think he'll go in the first although I've heard that and I've seen more than one draft board with him as the top quarterback. you know maybe maybe he does but I I, I floated the idea out there as my sort of outlier take that perhaps he goes to the Steelers at either 40, 41. They trade up with Seahawks who have got their their quarterback. I'm assuming. Who knows? Are, are they honestly I, I I'm entertaining entertaining the idea that the Seahawks take Malik Willis. Maybe the pack the Packers. The Panthers take Kenny Pickett. For Zach's sake, I think we're gonna leave the mock as is, but all these things are fluid. Anything can happen and anybody and everybody could be either right or wrong on any particular thing. And in this kind of year especially when there's not even a consensus number one, everything is sort of at play. Uh, whether it's wacky, it does, it makes sense or doesn't any, anything, any given draft day, just to put it like that. And speaking of any given draft day, we're talking about this type of players. This year is the kind of draft that since there's no consensus, number one, since there's not a can't miss prospect or multiple, uh, or perhaps there is. You could argue that. It's okay. I'll leave it out on the table for you. You know, come scream at me in the comments on the Instagram page. It's fine. It's cool. Totally doable. Just don't be a spam bot. Tell me to, to promote my podcast on some fake network or page that doesn't exist and will scam me and take all my money. We're talking about boomer bus here in this draft. This is the draft to, if you're a team that really needs to hit, you swing big. And if your team, like the Jaguars, has done that continually and has produced almost nothing in the way of results, you, you, take, you take the tackle. You, you take the, the offensive lineman first overall. Please, just just take the tackle. Take the safe pick. It's okay. Just do it. Let everybody else that can afford to swing, swing. Let, let the Cowboys swing. Let 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 the, the random other semi-dysfunctional teams or smart teams to actually land an outlier. Take a swing. With that being said, here are some boomer bust guys I'd like to point out. First up, Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Clearly, we have mentioned this before. If you're picking him. It's because you know the quarterback class sucks. He's the only guy, in my view, that has the athletic traits that point to a possible upside. He has a big arm. The accuracy is not necessarily there. I think he goes for too many big plays when you really should just, you know, take what the defense is giving you sometimes, take the check down, stop just trying to chuck it for down the field this isn't and I know this because that's how I play in Madden where I, I run 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 and then I chuck it 40 yards down the field and I just keep looking for the big play the only difference is that this is real life you can't do that in NFL and succeed <laughs> it's not how it works and I saw him do that at Liberty and It was just enough that he could sort of succeed there with that. And, you know, in college, that's okay, because then scouts look at that and be like, wow, he has has upside. He can make those big plays. This could also work out terribly. And I know he's not as good of a runner as a Lamar or a Vic or any of those really top tier guys that we've seen, he doesn't have a Stafford-like arm, even though it's a plus one. Nonetheless, that lack of accuracy, that looking for the big big play and holding onto the ball often could come back to bite him. He is not a sure thing. He's a home run swing or miss. And if you're a team like the Panthers, that's what you should be doing. Where are the Seahawks if he falls there? Just, you got rid of Russell Wilson, just, you know, swing on something. And if you're the Panthers, you know, just, you missed on Sam Darnold. Everyone's going to get fired anyway. Just, just do it. Just do it. Just swing. You know, if you if he hits, you're good. If he's terrible, you get fired. You don't draft a quarterback, you're getting fired. So just do it. The second guy is Jordan Davis. He is interesting because he has enjoyed a meteoric rise almost since his workout at the combine. He's 341 pounds. He's 6'6, so just an absolute monster. Intimidating physically. And he ran a 478. Which, honest, like I, I don't think I could run that. I think he's faster than me, and I'm like 120 pounds. Seriously, that this 340 pound, six six mammoth of a human being is faster than me. Little skinny little dude, like seriously. It just his workout numbers across the board were absolutely astounding. Uh, one of the better lineman workouts I've seen particularly for that size uh, and I've heard this cross board from people that have analyzed this position for years and years and are sort of insiders at that rate everyone's like wowed by him with that being said you're getting him with the hope that you can manufacture or coach a pass rush out of him at least an agreeable one something you know, maybe you're drafting him, you're swinging that home run bat, and you're hoping he hit it. You get a Vita Vea <laughs> and not someone who is just big and is okay at run defense and cannot even rush past her to save his life. You're, you're, really, you're, you're really hoping on that. But with that being said, I would not be opposed to him going to Maybe the Chargers uh, are they at seventeen? That's that's probably the furthest up I would go, uh, and I, I I think that would be the consensus. Um, at, at the very rate, if you get him in the back half, the back half of the first round, or even it, if you get him at the top of the second, that's a steal. Uh, for a a player that can really hit, that's a steal. Uh, with that being said, another one, Trayvon Walker from Georgia as well. Uh, there's been that talk of him going first, me and Zach have discussed. We don't buy it, but he is emblematic of that you have to swing or miss in this draft if you're in that sort of position, and you really need a difference maker, and there's not a lot of clear-cut difference makers in this class. Uh, Maybe you're in the market for a Trayvon Walker and you're completely disregarding the lack of production. It it is somewhat there. He had, you know, six sacks or so. And you could argue that the Georgia defensive scheme isn't really conducive to spotlighting guys or showcasing unique talents. It's more of a, you're a cog in the system and you got to play your role for it to all work. And this isn't based on individuals or based, you know, predicated on putting guys in spot where, like Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan, you could just stand out uh, because you just pin your ears back and rush past her and do your thing. He did also post excellent workout numbers 451 at 272. Uh, From what I understand, not as versatile laterally, which from what I also understand is important. Uh, You have to be able to move side to side real well. Uh, And in short bursts and short spaces to be an effective pass rusher, uh, it's straight line speed or, you know, longer distance speeds in general are not that useful. You have to be able to move around completely just to say it that way (laughs) i don't know how else to break it down nonetheless uh, i could see him going top 10 It, it just might happen and the one from this article that i have pulled up has him going seventh to the giants that could happen i don't i don't think we did we mock him there i don't think we did but if we did Uh, I don't have it pulled up, and I'm just kind of blanking on that pick. That's that's why I don't memorize our entire mock draft. I'm sorry. It's 32 picks, but still. uh, The Giants just aren't on my radar all that much. I'm sorry. Uh, Any fans of the boys in blue. If you get Trayvon Walker, at least, you know, um, I wouldn't have a lot of faith if the Giants did it because they swing and miss on guys like Daniel Jones, and it doesn't go well for them. Um but hey new hope, new year. <laughs> With that being said, yeah, Trayvon Walker, you're hoping you can he's a better player at the pro level than the college level, that happens, but he would be a tremendous outlier. Uh aka or not aka a la Daniel Hunter, as one might say. Guys like that, to, there's there's just not a good track record of pass rushers or edge rushers with a lack of production in college and being real studs at the pro level. But hey, if you're into that, Trayvon Walker's your guy. Uh, we if we we've had the the Derek Stingley discussion on this show. If we if we haven't, I like him. I think it matters that he's shown that elite production rather than that it was a couple of years ago or 2019. For corners, it's just so volatile. You just have to take the elite potential. And for a team like the Jets, which I think we mocked him to at what 10, that would suit them. They they just need someone in the secondary that makes difference. Like they they really they need that guy to set the tone, <laughs> to break, usher in a new era. Whatever, whatever floats your boat in terms of is it axioms or superlatives, you know whatever whatever works for you in that regard. Derek Stingley can fill that role for the Jets or for whoever takes him. Hopefully in the top ten, and if you get him outside the top ten, congrats, steal. You have to bet on him. You got it. He's a guy, and he's lost steam to guys like Trent McDuffie and Sauce Gardner. I would take him over them. I I think that he just presents a much higher ceiling in a draft where you kind of need that. Uh, with that being said, he could just be hurt all the time, like he yeah, has been the last couple of years. And you just have Jeff Akuda on your hands. I think he's a bust, by the way. Sachs has too early. Fair enough. I'll wait another year before I'm concretely on that train. You have one year, Jeff. One year. <laughs> then that's it. <laughs> you can't just be an elite prospect anymore. You get like two years max of that. But yeah, secondary players are just full-time. Like Probably the most in the league. Outside of uh, our receivers volatile, maybe. You could argue that. I'm going to pick this one receiver, though, who I initially held in high regard and I still have hope for, but am tentatively holding him at a lesser regard, modestly so. And that would be Traylon Burks, Arkansas. Uh, Zach's high on him. I like his potential. Which I feel like I I feel like a broken record. I keep saying that for this draft. Yeah, I like his upside, I like his ceiling. I like his potential, his home run capacity, if you will. Uh Trillon Burks is an interesting player. He is the got the size you want. If you're looking at if you're looking at Drake London and you're like, you know what? He's like 6'4". Actually, I have some measurements here. 6'4", 2'13". Drake London is 6'4", 2'13". He looks like a little beanpole out there. Or I shouldn't say little beanpole. He's 6'4". He looks like like a skinny dude who hasn't filled out a frame that he should. If you're not sold on that, and you're like, I don't want a beanstalk on offense. I want a guy who has an NFL body. Maybe like a Traylon Burks. He's 6'2", I think 225, something like that. And he has enough speed, at least on tape, to reconcile all that. So it's a little more balanced. You could you could say you could say that. And He has the production. It's there, Uh, albeit in a specialized role. Traylon Burks apparently has some weight issues. I need to hear that more often or from more sources before I wholeheartedly buy into it. Nevertheless, if that is even remotely on the horizon, There's not a track record of that working too often. Maybe you have an Alshon Jeffrey, but you could also have a Kelvin Benjamin and he shows up to a training camp hell overweight. (laughs) Uh, If I remember that correctly, I think he showed up way like 260 or some plus, some ridiculous, uh, at least for the context of his position and what is expected. Uh, And I know that varies. Different players have different playing weights, and you know, it's not you can't just paint it with the brush and say, This is it. Uh, You have to be six foot 220 or whatever. Uh, There's different skills and different measurements apply differently and suit guys best. You know, I'm all for that. Um, But Burks, uh, he seems like the guy that you might have to have a special role for, and you can't just take him and throw him and expect him to be your top guy. Like, if the Packers took him, I would hope that they would take someone else, too, to pair with him. Maybe that North Dakota receiver. Uh, Maybe a Sky Moore. Maybe if you have any one of the top other guys, I don't know if the Ohio State guys last so long, but if they do, you have an Olave. Um, if you even have a Pickens, I kind of like him, out of Georgia. If you pair them with Burks or you have a number one guy and you're just taking Burks to be that guy that you can game plan for and move him around and manufacture touches till he really gets the swing of things, you know, perhaps that could work. Uh, but if if you're a team that's just gonna take them, just copy paste them into your number one spot, that that might be trouble. That might be. And if he has a real weight problem, that's a flag. So boom or bust. That epitomizes it. Uh, honorable mentions, Drake London. I don't, I'm don't. i not entirely sold. Not entirely sold. Uh, hopefully we don't have, you know, a Nikhil Harry on our hands. <laughs> or I, I I. don't think so. I think he's going to be fine. Uh still like him to Atlanta. Uh, they need a big-bodied receiver. No more Roddy White. No more Julio Jones. Uh, no more of the good days. Uh, you, you have what seems like only Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think Russell Gage is gone. <laughs> He was decent. Uh, is Calvin Ridley coming back? Who knows? Yeah, not not a lot going on there. So you know, we'll slot we'll slot Drake London in, and he's a player you could take and say, you know, he's going to be in my number one for a team like Atlanta. And if he doesn't work out, well, you're in the middle of resetting everything, anyways. Just keep going. Uh, David Ochabo. I honestly really like him and if you get him in the 30s and back tail end of the first round or uh, beginning half of the second, maybe within the first five to 10 picks of the second, ideally, he would be great at that spot. You don't necessarily need to rely on him as if he was a first round pick, which he was initially projected to be. It takes a lot of the pressure off of selecting a player that will miss some time with a torn Achilles. So he, he's, he's a boomer bust. He only has like one year of really nice production, but he's shown the high end. So you could argue, boom. Or you could argue, bust, because he hasn't had an extensive track record. Uh, he only has out one year. And now he has a major injury, and it's not like wide receivers and ACLs. It's not a dime a dozen here. Uh, Achilles tears are still pretty big, so and for pass rushers, different rule, different emphasis. It matters differently. Uh, Christian Watson, the aforementioned, yeah, little buzzword there. Chris, uh, yeah, North Dakota State receiver. This has a mock to the Chiefs. So I I don't mind that. It could work, you know, it's replace our wide receiver one with a committee approach for them. So why not throw this 6'4", 208 pound guy in there who ran a 436 blazing fast, you know, if you hit, I'm not saying you got a Megatron, but you got a dude who's really fast and really big. Just fill him out a little bit. You're good to go. Uh, he didn't really dominate in college, though. So. I think 800 or so yards this is his top against the FCS competition. Not particularly noteworthy. But, you know, some of these guys go out here and they're better pros than they were in college. So, could be the case. I don't hate it. And finally, we're just going to, I'm going to share a little little love for. For uh Zappy Bailey Zappy, the uh, quarterback for Western Kentucky. He is my ideal fourth round flyer quarterback. He is from Western Kentucky, and as Zach noted to me in our text exchange, uh, they have an extremely QB friendly system, uh, a la Ohio State, with a lot of verts and screens. They're basically running a, I I call it the, I just got in, what's a good way, what's a catchy way of putting this? It's like when someone has not just started playing Madden, but they've been playing Madden for just a little bit, and then they realize running four verticals and, you know, occasionally tossing it to the outside when they break press coverage. Uh, or just yamming it to your tight end or slot receiver in the seams and then running screens and RPOs will get you down the field against not all Madden-level difficulty. Uh, that's kind of how Ohio State runs, kind of what Western Kentucky runs, uh, or actually a lot of what they run, not kind of, uh, both of those. So Zach's not sold on him. I'm not sold, but you know he he would be an outlier, as Zach said, and I agree. Uh, my point was that I I watched him and I I liked what I saw. You know, it was fun. he was fun to watch, um, and not only that, but you know someone who could just kind of come in on his first year. Well, he only had one year of Division One starting experience with Western Kentucky. He came from some college that I don't even know. uh, I've never heard of. And I guess he followed his offense coordinator to WKU. But in that first year, he shattered the NCAA passing yards and touchdowns records. Uh, And that's worth a mid-round flyer to me. He threw 62 touchdowns after Joe Burrow who went number one overall and had like the greatest college quarterback season, maybe not named Tim Tebow, or, you know, maybe you could slot a few different guys in there, but he broke that record and he threw for like straight up video game numbers in terms of yardage and touchdowns. And just, it was ridiculous. They blew out app state in their own bowl game with an offensive onslaught. And he got pulled, I think. Uh, I watched that game, but you know, give me a break. It was like five months ago, four months ago, pretty much five. It was it was almost half a year ago. All the bowl games, it, it, they're in the rearview mirror. We're looking at draft week. Uh, I I've been watching Western Kentucky because they're just always offensively sound. They score like forty points a game it seems every week. Uh, they're like a video game, but I in my from my perspective of watching them in recent years, uh, Zappi is not the same level quarterback that they've had. And in a draft with, and I quote from myself, hella question marks at QB, Bailey Zappi deserves at least a shot to be more than the forgotten man. Uh, And, you know, maybe... As uh, the PFF guys, I will I will quote them because I thought this was amusing. They call them Dick Case Keenum. That might be a best-case scenario. But if that's what you get as your fourth-round quarterback and you currently have uh, a Nathan Peterman as backup or someone that you're just not at all remotely confident in, if your starter goes down, take a Bailey Zappi fourth-round pick. It's practically free. Just do it. And that's all the level show for that. That's all I got for you. Just a few of my favorite boomer busts, uh, some Brady contract deals there, and little rumors with Evan Neal, and then shutting down the Darren Wallet talk. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Not this year. Maybe next year if things work out terribly. There's a lot of pressure on all those AFC West teams. You know, someone's got to fold. Uh, Or maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I got. So let's watch the drafts and hopefully your team gets what they want or what you want. (laughs) And uh, any given draft day. Check us out on Instagram at Fraternal Football Podcast. Twitter coming soon. We're getting a social media presence going. Also, we are on like eight different podcasting services, including Spotify, which you're most likely listening to. Apple Podcasts now. Stitcher. uh, Like five more. Check us out on a variety uh we got stickers everywhere slide into our dms on social media engage maybe you want to be on the show let us know we're out there and we're available also if you like the content you hear in this podcast go ahead and leave us a five-star rating on spotify on apple podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts if there's ability to rate Go ahead and give us all those stars. We appreciate you for it. This episode is brought to you by How to Pest. Go to howtopest.com for your pest control needs. They're absolutely crushing it. What are you waiting for? This has been Fraternal Football. Cam and Zach signing off.